welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but we're going to give a shout out to our partners. We Coach, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports, Vital Signs Wall of Fame, and the Florida Coaches Coalition. These are four great organizations. You should add them to your network. And now don't hit that fast forward button. Stay with us for the next three minutes. We're going to give our sponsors a shout out. These are all companies that I used as an athletic director or as a coach. You should be using them too. Here we go. We want to thank our good friends at Gipper for their support of the podcast. Gipper is the official social media graphic solution for the podcast. And if you go to Gipper.com, their team is going to show you how you can start creating world-class content for your school's social media channel. Mention the podcast, you'll get a nice discount. Go to Gipper.com, check out their uh, 3,000 uh, satisfied customers at the high school and college level. That's Gipper.com. Check them out today. We also want to say thanks to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. You know they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. Go to their website, vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles. It's a great way to display your school record boards, your school's Hall of Fame, or just share your school's proudest moments and your top role models. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com to check out their great products. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, and it was just great. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure that our school was a Huddle school. And our coaches just loved the tools that Huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids at the highest level. Go to huddle.com. See why we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 8 million users. Turn your school into a huddle school. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo to see their scoreboards and their score tables in action. Their products not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student-athletes. That's sidelineinteractive.com. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Hometown Ticketing is digital ticketing with more. More support, more security, more customization. Hometown is here to make the best solution for you. Go to hometownticketing.com to check out all the ways that they can help your program. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. Go to snapraise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better. If you're looking for a fundraising platform, stop right here. SnapRaise is hands down the best one out there, but there's so much more. You have Snap Manage, Snap Store, Snap Connect. You can find it all at snapraise.com. That's snapraise.com. We also want to thank Home Campus. Home Campus is the exclusive high school and state association information management platform. It's also your one-stop platform for things like scheduling, student eligibility and clearance, uh, coaches clearance, and a whole lot more. As an athletic director, I used Home Campus every single day, and it was just great. And the Home Campus staff was great to work with, too. To find out more, all you have to do is go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. And we want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire program. Go to athleticsurveys.com. They're going to create a custom survey that lets you take the pulse of your parents and your student-athletes. Athletic directors already hear back from the complainers, the 2% that want to gripe about everything. Athletic surveys will connect you with the 2%, but they'll also connect you with the 98% that supports your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking with a frustrated parent or your principal or your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com and uh, see all the things that they can do for you. That's athleticsurveys.com.
Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're going to one of our favorite non-Florida states today, uh, the great state of North Carolina. And we're going to be visiting with Battle Watkins. Now, Battle is a certified athletic administrator, longtime AD in North Carolina. He recently uh, took on a new challenge. He is the director of athletics at New Life Camp. Uh, Storm Athletics. He's going to tell us all about that. It's a really cool situation, uh, but let's go ahead and welcome him. Battle Watkins, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Thank you, Jake. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to learn from this podcast and also maybe contribute a little bit. So thank you for having me. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm so glad you reached out. Uh, it's kind of, as you and I said, a unique situation, uh, but I think it's got some great learning points for all of us. Let's go and jump right in. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that quick bio, where you were born, where you grew up, maybe take us up through your own uh, high school and college careers, and then we'll take a break uh, and hear about your early career. But what's the Battle Watkins origin story? Grew up in Western North Carolina, a beautiful place, kind of in the Asheville, Hendersonville area. Um, parents were both teachers. Uh, dad was a coach athletic director, principal, um, driver's ed instructor. I think I had all bases covered as a kid as far as the educational background situation. I didn't, probably didn't have a choice in life. Um, always around the field or the gym, you know, as a little kid, I remember, you know, like being on the field or being in the gym or the locker room. And I was a big part, I think, of who I, you know, have become, obviously, in growing up. Uh, games on weekends as a little kid. I remember my dad was big on going to college football games, and he would take players with him to – encourage him to think about college or recruiting visits. And so I was that little guy kind of hanging around, getting a chance to see some of those places. And I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, the Hendersonville, Asheville area, Western North Carolina in general is very supportive of high school athletics. It's a very successful area and very community feel. West Henderson High School in Hendersonville is actually my alma mater and was involved in football, basketball, and golf there as an athlete. And, you know, just some of my best influences, you know, as I think back to becoming a teacher and a coach and being involved in athletic director is those people, those coaches, those people that poured into me. And I saw that not only through my parents and their sacrifices in time, but also through those people that served me. Um, some highs and lows, I think as an athlete probably influenced me too in that area. I was a football player, either an injury, season ending injuries, successes on and off the field. I mean, all those things kind of helped shape uh, who I ended up being, and at that time didn't realize it was kind of on that path. Um, chose UNC Chapel Hill for college um, to be a student. Kind of followed my brother there. He was older and was a student, and decided I wasn't quite good enough to play in college. Um, and so I would go and sort of focus on the academic side. And actually, while I was at UNC, kind of the end of my athletic career, maybe uh, or hybrid career, was I tried out for the UNC JV basketball team. You know, Carolina is one of those few. Division one programs that continue to have junior varsity basketball for student athletes. And so unsuccessful in that attempt twice, but definitely gave it my best shot. It actually helped me segue, Jake, into something that really um, molded me, I think, in my athletic career. I ended up having a sports psychology class at Chapel Hill where the professor was recruiting for a team called Team Handball, um, UNC Club Team Handball, which is obviously a popular sport in Europe and around the world. I didn't know anything about, but he would take kind of washed up athletes like myself in his classes and get them to come out for his handball team. And he put together a powerhouse. Actually, we ended up playing um, while I was there for the last two years of my college experience, playing club handball for UNC. We would travel to West Point. We would travel to Air Force. We would travel to, to different parts of the country and play universities and clubs that, that had handball. And it was a very in intentional pseudo varsity type experience that I had the last couple of years, but I learned a ton there um, that we all learned by being on teams and being around coaches and competing and traveling together and organizing. So that was kind of my college experience. Um, while at Carolina, I would say I had a kind of Carolina basketball experience as well. I had a relationship with uh, Coach Williams, um, who obviously just retired, was from Western Carolina and is friends with my family. And so I oh, wow. kind of always felt like I was a little bit closer to learn and watch the program from being able to be in certain places and practices and things. And so that was a big influence to me on college as well, even though I didn't play at Carolina, just being a part of learning from Coach Williams and Coach Smith's models, I think, as a teacher and a coach and as an AD and leading people. So those are probably my influences the most in Western North Carolina and in Chapel Hill. 
Oh, wow. What a great story. And, and you can always say, you know, Hey, I played for North Carolina. You know, it's <laughs> true. Right. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, but uh, I, I love how you related, you know, the small town, you know, playing three sports, you know, going to games and open gyms and things like that growing up. Um, looking back on that period of your time. And, and, and again, that college experience just had to be fantastic. But looking back at that, say that, junior high, high school period. Can you think of an event that at the time you were a kid, you didn't realize that this was impactful, but mm. now as a coach, as a leader, you can look back on that day and say, you know, wow, that really made a difference. Uh, anything stick out for you? Yeah, I, a couple. I think one that involves leadership involved um, a coaching change that I remember happening in my junior year in high school where we had a very successful high school football program at the time and a coach that had been there and kind of built the program to success decided to take another job um that he thought maybe was a little bit better or better fit for him or whatever and you know there's always that hurtful feeling of people that are still on the team when a coach leaves because you develop relationships and I was going to be a senior and sort of expected to be a leader anytime you hire a new coach right and you have a senior group of people come in there's always a little bit of um, a, a period there where you're trying to gain trust and understanding because it's not like it was, but you kind of have something to prove. And I remember in particular that particular season um, as I was quarterback on our football team and had a chance to kind of, I think, help unite kind of our program around this new coach who had experience and was very well respected, but who had not been our coach. Right. So the trust that goes in between a new coach and players, I think, and a, and a school and a, you know the athletic director or the community that, gets behind something even in transition, I think is important, right? Because some people can get so tied to the past. Um, we ended up having a great season. People didn't expect much of us. My team, I don't think, was as talented as some of the previous teams, which is maybe one of the reasons why the coach left. <laughs> but we ended up making the playoffs, and we uh, we beat that former coach in our regular season oh, wow. to actually move to an area school. And that was kind of, you know, not that it's, it's you know, sort of like individualized, but it meant something, think, for us, and some pride in our program. And I think that was a teachable moment for me. Like when things change, things that you can't control, like you have the choice to make the best of them or not, right? And I look back on that as a moment, kind of as a young, whatever, 17, 18 year old, as a maybe a defining moment in athletics, but also in leadership. Oh, wow. Uh, so many things going on in that whole, uh, you know, weren't expected to win, go to the playoffs, playing the former coach. I mean, that that's a lot of stuff. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. For listeners, uh, our guest today is Battle Watkins. He's a certified athletic administrator, longtime AD in North Carolina, and now he's the director of athletics for New Life Camp, home of the Storm Athletic Program. He's going to talk more about that, but let's go and take our first break. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank our good friends at Gipper for their support of the podcast. Gipper is the exclusive and official social media graphic solution for us. And if you go to Gipper.com, their team is going to show you how you can create world-class marketing content for your school's social media channel. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Your kids are on social media. And if you're not, you're really missing out on a great opportunity to promote your programs and celebrate your student-athletes. Gipper's used and trusted by over 3,000 athletic programs, both high school and college across the country, and it's professional graphic design made simple. Go to Gipper.com, mention the podcast, you'll get a nice discount. That's Gipper.com. Welcome back to the Educational ED Podcast. Um, and again, our guest today is Battle Watkins. I love that name. Yeah, Battle, there's got to be a story behind that. Um, you took us up through your, uh, glory years at, uh, UNC, uh, let's go post-college now. Most of us have that journey of teaching and coaching. Uh, what was your journey like right out of college? Uh, Jake, I was real fortunate to work in a student teaching coaching experience, even like the end of my college career headed into my first job at a school called Hillside High School in Durham. Hillside High School was the home of some um, NBA players that had just left about the time that I got there. Rodney Rogers, some people may be familiar with his story at Wake Forest and the injury that he had. 
um, and a number of other players with a coach named Chet Mebbin, who had built an incredibly powerful program in Durham. I was the little flunky uh, junior varsity assistant. <laughs> I mean, as, a, as a student teacher, they were happy to have me on board. And I learned that probably as much there in that six to nine months while I was doing my practicum as I did anywhere from an organized system standpoint of, of an athletic program and in the basketball program that was very systematic, was very disciplined and did things with excellence. And I think that made a mark on me. I then got my first full-time job in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, not far from Wake Forest University, the school called West Forsyth High School, and was very blessed there to work in another outstanding program in a community called Clemens, North Carolina, just outside of Winston, that had incredible support for athletics and a really good football program and basketball program. Just say the three years I was there to start my career, I had a chance to meet Joe Paterno through a number of All-Americans that played for us that he came to recruit back-to-back um, -back years. I had a chance to sit on the bench for a state championship semifinal basketball game um, just as a, a young teacher and coach. And so being around a very successful program and a program of excellence as my first full-time job was very important to me. It was also the same job where they said, you know, you're going to coach this, 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 teach this. And there wasn't a lot of like choices and you're going to get your bus license, right? So I remember that clearly you're going to coach JV baseball and you're going to drive the bus, you know, and I was whatever, 22 years old. I had no business probably behind the wheel of a, of a activity bus driving the mountains of, uh, of central North Carolina. But it's another example though, I think of doing what you need to do to be a part of a team. And I remember at West Forsyth experiencing that as, as kind of a young person being accepted into a very successful program. My West Forsyth story that is always interesting to people is I was there um, four years actually. And I, <laughs> the time that I left to move back to the Raleigh area for my next job, um, I had a chance to interview for the basketball position possibly at the year after I had left that opened up the varsity basketball job and made a decision to kind of stay in the triangle where my, my wife's family was from. And then a few years later, Chris Paul came along <laughs> and uh, you know missed out on that opportunity um, I always tell people probably not one of my best career choices or best career moves um, in leaving Winston-Salem before Chris Paul came through the high school there having a chance, but just really talented players and a great community at West Forsyth that I'll always be thankful for to start. Um, then I kind of went to a couple schools in Raleigh and then eventually made my way to open a high school, which I know a lot of people enjoy the opportunity to do called Nightdale High School on the east side of Raleigh and become the first head basketball coach there in a new program. And it was there, I think, the relationships that I had with student athletes that kind of encouraged me to sort of, because the energy that you spend as a coach and as a teacher, and you know, as an AD, right, is, is you can't even measure the amount of hours. And I think I had reached a point there after nine or 10 years of coaching at that school where I was ready to do something different and had had a great run as a head varsity basketball coach, very competitive, had lots of kids playing college, hosted our own tournament, got to play DeMatha in a holiday tournament. Um, back in some of the math's earlier glory period and got to send one of my players played the Olympics on behalf of his host country of Nigeria, former player. So had some really cool basketball experiences, but then was ready for something different after those 10 years. But I think starting a new school also showed me what it takes to run an athletic program, like as a head basketball coach and as a teacher in a new school where you can develop all those programs and policies for yourself. And you kind of see Lots of things behind the scenes that coaches sometimes don't pay attention to, right? The athletic administrator sets everything up on the tee and the coach, even though they have peripheral things, they don't really appreciate. And I think being in a new school, because you have to do so many things yourself when you open a school that are already in place in existing schools, that that kind of helped me gain experience, I think, too, in that last high school I was in before becoming an AD as a head basketball coach. Yeah, I've been fortunate uh, to be involved opening a couple of schools, and it is really a, a, a unique and a really cool experience. How much were you able to involve uh, the people that ultimately became your coaches in developing certain things? You know, usually the AD, in, in my case, I'm hired before any of the coaches are hired, and you got to get some things going. But uh, how much, what were some things that you were able to involve? the coaches in as you were building those uh, traditions that at the time they weren't traditions, but you were starting. So that's a good question. So at the time, I, one of my really good friends from a previous school was actually the initial athletic director. He hired me as the head basketball coach. And so we were kind of 
partnering on a lot of things together. So I saw that from, you know, the head basketball side, also coach football before I transitioned to my first AD job. Um, and I, I learned from him because he was a good friend, somebody I trusted. And we were in a community that had not ever had a school before. So a lot of it was not really just building the coaches and the athletes, but trying to get people in the community to embrace the school, I think, because obviously, you know, education-based athletics and athletics in general is always impacting a community. And the better support you have, the better things go. Volunteers, parent support, businesses, all those great things, right, that, that good programs do. And I think that was as big for me as, you know, our coaching staff or our teachers buying into the new school concept with the kids, but also like reaching out to the community so they would embrace us and support us because their kids would normally go to a different school and you plop a school in the middle of a community and say, oh, all of a sudden your kids are going to go here. You have to like build those relationships. It just doesn't happen because there's a building there. Um, I think that was probably the biggest part that we invested in community service projects. Um, I know we got involved in that immediately, or we would have, a uh, fundraiser that involved a community like a 5K or something where we got people on our campus or we got people involved somehow, right, in this new school to develop some pride because it takes a while to build tradition and pride, right, in those programs. So I learned a lot from him, I think. And then when I actually started my first athletic director job, I took all those kind of experiences with me in a school that wasn't new, but needed to be rebuilt culture-wise. And, and I think you know, ADs talk a lot about that. I know you discuss those things from time to time with people about what culture looks like. And we were building a new culture, whereas the school that I went to wasn't new, but had kind of gotten to a place athletically that needed, it was kind of on life support and needed a new culture. And that's a different mission in and of itself, right? In an existing school of trying to redesign things. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm trying to think which one is, uh, is more <laughs> challenging, starting from scratch or or trying to do things the right way. We're going to do this uh, later on in the podcast, but uh, again, for listeners, uh, Battle Watkins, longtime AD, and now he's starting a new venture. Um, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out and pick your brain, and listeners, I think you got a great resource here. What's the best way that they can get a hold of you? Uh, my email at Storm Athletics would be a great way to start. It is B Watkins, B W A T K I N S at newlifecamp.com, bwatkins at newlifecamp.com. Or they can just go to newlifecamp.com and click on Storm Athletics and all things Storm Athletics will appear, including possibly a link to connect with me. All right. And uh, we'll be giving that uh, out again later in the podcast. Let's go and take another break. Uh, again, our guest is Battle Watkins, a certified athletic administrator uh, from North Carolina. Please stay with us. We've got more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school record boards for all the teams, for all the events, or your school's Hall of Fame, or simply tell your school's diverse history, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com and check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles. They're really, really impressive. And if you mention the podcast, they'll give you a nice little discount. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, and it was fantastic. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure that our school was a Huddle school. And our coaches just loved the tools that Huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids at their highest level. Go to huddle.com. See why we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle. Join the 8 million users and turn your school into a huddle school. Uh, Jake, I did want to mention that we are um, a supporter of huddle as well here in North Carolina. The triangle area has been a long-term tool that we've used in basketball specifically that I'm familiar with and I'm very thankful for as a head basketball coach for many years to be able to break down information and really be able to help our players and our team and our coaches understand kind of what was going on. It was an amazing tool for us. Oh gosh. Thanks so much for sharing that. I, I know our basketball coaches, you know, we had the uh, huddle focus camera in the gym. Uh, you know, they just loved, you know, programming it with their cell phone and, you know, tape and practices and, and the, the video breakdown. You're absolutely right. Just a great, great tool. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, 
let's go and jump into what you're doing now. Uh, you recently signed on as the director of athletics at New Life Camp. Uh, their program is Storm Athletics. Uh, tell our listeners, you know, the how it's a little bit different for maybe their uh, athletic program and some of the things that you're trying to do. It's a great question. We are unique, um, as you and I have talked about before, in that we are an athletic program that was sort of born out of a camp. I think many people, a summer camp for kids, I think many people are familiar with typical summer camp properties around the country that are great facilities for like the, the eight to 10 week window when kids are out of school. And then what happens, right? You have this facility that maybe it's not used as often. There may be some groups that kind of come in sporadically, but it kind of like lays low or fallow. And I think what happened here in 2006 is they said, you know, we've got this great facility. They had one gym at the time and some field space and sort of organically basketball grew out of that. Um, and New Life Camp is a, is, a, is a Christian camp. It's a ministry here in the Triangle area. And they were looking for ways, I think, to also be good stewards to the community of what they had. And so began to serve in hosting basketball, uh, girls basketball, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Initially in 2006 was the very first team that a group of students got together and families got together in this community that had come to the camp sort of in the summer. And so we're familiar with it, but then also was looking for an opportunity to compete in athletics, but they had chosen homeschool for the education for their families. And there didn't seem to be like organized athletics. And so I think what basically happens is you get together and say, you know, we need a coach, we need to use facilities for the camp, we'll order some uniforms. And it just really just kind of starts out of this need for eight or 10 kids to have that experience that we all know is so powerful in teenagers' lives to be a part of something bigger than themselves in organized sports. Um, and so that was kind of the origin story. And then here we are in, in 2023, and we've got uh, basketball, baseball, cross country, golf, soccer, volleyball, and, and looking to add more. And so from 2006, the homeschool community has grown in the Triangle area, as well as organized athletics that now are at a, a point where we can compete with, you know, private schools and charter schools on a regular basis and also provide, host them like in our facility, as you would in a school setting. And I've looked, I, I don't know that there are many places, if any other in America, that the camp itself is sort of the home base for kind of a scholastic middle school and high school athletic program. Um, so that's what makes us unique. Um, it is a blessing to be able to have the property. There are now two gyms. There's a really nice kind of competitive gym that we call our activity center. We have the a second gym, the original gym, kind of that 1970s tarp ground floor, you know, that can deal with anything that was a, a theme for athletics there for a while in American construction. So like, but we all have a soccer field. We have a cross country course on site in our camp. We're blessed to have 75 acres. And so we can run cross country here. So there's some really unique things about us and we want to stay true to our, our intent and purpose as a, an offering and a ministry to the community. But we also want to open ourselves up that people can come here and compete from other schools and other places and experience what we have here and what we're trying to build. So it's really a unique and a, and a blessing for me to have this opportunity, but I have to say, I'm trying to understand it and learn it after 30 years from kind of a traditional public school background. I am a professional podcaster. I'm going to unmute myself at the proper time. Um, I was going to say, and I did say, uh, it's got to be exciting to come in there uh, at the ground floor and, and and begin to develop that. Sounds like you really come a long way in a short time. Um, what um, what are some of the other schools that you're competing against? And 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 again, I, starting out, everybody's starting at the same place. You know, you're you're getting organized. You know, the talent might not quite be there yet. Um, you know, how has it been competing against other schools? You know, um, you know, are you happy with where you're at? But, of course, you're not satisfied. You want to keep getting better. So uh, give us kind of that status report. Oh, I, I appreciate that. We definitely have a hybrid schedule. One of the things that's interesting about um, homeschool athletics that I didn't understand until I got here in July is that there is a an organization that I was just sharing earlier with you called the NCHEAC, 
that's sort of the home school athletic commission for North Carolina. And they, they basically exist similar to any other state organization to provide for games and also championships for homeschool athletes in North Carolina. And so there are, I was counting up actually before we got together this morning, I was counting up at least 20 uh, team, different teams across the state that compete in multiple sports, some 25 homeschool teams throughout, you would imagine mostly urban areas across North Carolina where there are larger populations. We have teams in Charlotte, teams in Winston-Salem, teams in Greensboro, teams of course in Raleigh where we are, in Durham, in Wilmington, um, in Greenville, in Rocky Mountain. So there are teams spread across the whole state. And so they put on a state championship at the end of the year, just like any other traditional or independent school sports program. In addition to that sort of conference state alignments that we have with homeschools, we're playing obviously regional private schools. We, uh, Ravenscroft, which is right down the road from us, one of the larger, more successful historic private schools in North Carolina. Um, Cary Christian, I'm trying to think of schools locally that uh, are part of Grace Christian in, in North Carolina in, in Sanford. So we play a combination. There are now charter schools, as you know, that are popping up independently. And a lot of them are looking for games against maybe a smaller school. Like we were probably comparable in North Carolina to more like a 1A, 2A alignment if you looked at our numbers, right, and our athletic capacity. So it's really unique scheduling. That's the beauty of it. And also the challenge of it is that you don't have a unified uh, group of people that you're working with, which also makes it a cool opportunity for me to meet so many people from so many different backgrounds. And I think probably originally people kind of looked at us oddly, like, who are you? Are you Storm or are you a camp? Like, what are we? And I think the, the as, as we've been competitive in soccer and volleyball and basketball, in particular, those big three, even having kids that have gone on to play in college, I think people now begin to respect that we're not a travel organization. We're not an AAU. We're not a club. It's actually a scholastic, non-traditional scholastic. I'm not even sure there's a term for it. I'll just create one here. We're, we are scholastic because the kids are all enrolled in the North Carolina Home Athletic Commission. So they have to be enrolled in the state homeschool program to compete. So we do have eligibility requirements. And that's always a question that people ask me is how is that different from the public school or private school? There's age requirements. There's the academic requirements to be enrolled in a certain number of classes. So, I mean, we have similar things that, that I have to understand and how those are different. And we're competing against people that have different criteria as well. But at the end of the day, right, it's about providing opportunity for young people, right? Whatever their choice has been about schools or their families have chosen for them to provide them the chance to be on a team, something bigger than themselves, the life lessons that we all learn by competing and still learn from competing, from winning and losing. And so I'm really thankful for the opportunity to do that here. It's unique, but in some ways it's exactly like every other place I've ever been. Now, as you've seen uh, your program grow and, uh, success, you know, beating other schools. Uh, what has been the response of, say, the other athletic directors, the other teams, maybe even some uh, traditional public schools? Uh, oh, you know, that's uh, uh, they're going to recruit all our kids. That's always the refrain of the public school AD. Um, what sort of response have you had? No, that's a fair question. I think, um, you know, on the positive side is respect. If you can compete on the field successfully, Right. And, and consistently. Right. It's one thing to have a decent team or two every once in a while in any program. It's another thing to be consistently competitive, whether you win the conference or the state or not, just to be competitive with people and have a good game or a good match with someone. So I think we've earned that right here as the people that have been here before me have poured into, like I said, the traditional volleyball, basketball, soccer programs and then grown out the cross country. We have 70 cross country runners this year, right, for a homeschool team. And I think that's phenomenal, right? Like I know a lot of our, I know some programs are bigger across the country, but just the fact that we have that many kids involved for me is an incredible blessing. And what an opportunity for them as young people to be on such a, because the track, as you know, you're a track guy. There's so many neat things about track and cross country that are different than every other sport because of the camaraderie and the community and how you, anyway, I just think it's, it's really powerful, the respect that we've earned. But I also think there's going to be some doubt in how we do things. And, you know, part of my job and any AD's job is communication. How do you communicate to people that you play and to your community and to organizations or the media that you're doing things ethically in the right way, right? And we have 
things in place. We have roster sheets just like anybody else that get turned into the state association that verify an address, that verify age by birth certificate, that verify they're enrolled in school. So I think, you know, if people kind of knew more details, maybe about some of the homeschool programs, they would understand that there are guidelines in place that make it more compatible and respectable, I think, as opposed to some of the programs you hear about nationally that are recruiting kids from all over the country to come and just play sports, like in your area, right? The academies, uh, um, not to be mentioned, <laughs> or the programs that are really just athletic factories. And I'm sure they have school too, right? So what makes them different, I think, is those kids come from all over where our kids are enrolled and we're not trying to win championships. We're trying to, to grow and disciple and encourage people young people for life, right? I mean, that, if we win, that's awesome. That's incredible. If kids get a chance to play in college, amazing. That's all gravy to me, right? But really what we're teaching them and how we're encouraging them in their faith or just in life, that's the most important part. And we're doing it with rules and structure. So that's what I would say is that we gain respect. There will always be question marks that people have about a camp or a homeschool organization. But having been on the other side and now come and seen this side, there's a lot more structure than what people probably think, understand, or, or you know, would talk about. And you're absolutely right. Uh, and having spent uh, over half of my career in private schools uh, that were uh, both faith-based and just simply, you know, uh, college uh, uh, from an academic standpoint, you know, college factories, uh, you know, we didn't have, uh, you know, athletic scholarships uh, and we, our coaches didn't even bother to recruit because uh, um, it was a struggle to find kids that could pass the entrance exam. But we mm. had tons of great student athletes that wanted to come to our school. And if they, you know, met the requirements and their parents could write the check, you know, we were happy to take them. Uh, you're absolutely right. You do things the right way. People are going to want to come to your school. Uh, you know, very, very, very good point. I love that. Let's go take unique. another quick break. Oh, did you have something? I was just going to say, I think we're unique. The last follow-up to that is I think a lot of homeschool programs don't have facilities. And so what makes us kind of unique too is that the camp had the logistical facilities to have a sports program, right? So we have a little bit of an advantage in that way. And it makes us more like a school because people come to a location where a lot of homeschools are either renting exactly. or they're borrowing facilities. And so we're blessed in that way as well. Yeah, and that's part of storm athletics is, you know, Hey, we've got some facilities and Oh, by the way, we've got some good coaches, you know, we are faith-based. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, if, if that is something that you are seeking, we can certainly mm -hmm. provide that. So uh, no, great, great point. Let's go and take that next break, but we are coming back. Please stay with us. This is the educational AD podcast. We want to say thanks to our good friends at Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo to see their score tables and their score boards in action. Their products not only generate income for your athletic department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made was a Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table. Of course, we use it for home games, but we also use it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and the customer service is just fantastic. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Set up that live web demo today. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. Their team is going to show you how to set up and sell tickets online, not just for athletic events, but things like school plays and concerts, school dances, even graduation. And here's the best part. Every school is assigned a dedicated client success manager to provide hands-on support every step of the way. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com for more information. It's digital ticketing that offers more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Battle Watkins, longtime athletic director in the state of North Carolina. Battle, um, we all, as athletic directors, we're all on a journey, hopefully, with our state association and with the NIAAA. Uh, we get a lot of younger listeners to the podcast, and I think it's important for them to hear about that journey. So how did you first 
become aware of the North Carolina Association and with the NIAAA? That's a great question. I think um, the final answer of that would be before I do the details, that having encouraging mentors and uh, staff people around me that were either already certified or were on the journey themselves that encouraged me, obviously, to, to dive in to that process. Um, I was always familiar with the National Federation of High School Sports that kind of governed athletics. I think everybody is. It's a coach on the coaching side, the first part of my career. And I think most people are not as much aware, unless they're involved in the administration of the NIAAA and all that they do. Um, I think it's inherent in many of us as coaches to naturally want to participate in these things, even if we maybe are slow to start, because if you start out as a coach or a teacher, you're constantly developing yourself and improving yourself by going to clinics or going to camps or working a camp or watching a video, right? You're constantly learning strategy and technique, right? And I think it mirrors that because as a coach, you want to become more professional, right? And as athletic director, it's the same. And so I think ultimately for me, it was a natural process going to the next step of being an athletic director of improving myself not just as a coach or as a teacher, but I, as a teacher, I had earned my national boards for professional teaching standards, which is kind of like a similar process, right? And then as a coach, had been to camps and clinics. And so as an AD, it was a no-brainer when somebody said, hey, we've got this incredibly easy to process, understand, sign up for, participate in program where you can take these courses and earn not just credentials and not look like a professional, but improve, I think the term that you use, right? Your toolbox, <laughs> the idea of how do you continue to give yourself um, strategies and abilities to serve your community where you are in a better way. You do that from learning. I always love that about teaching and coaching. We always say, right, that there's no secrets that ultimately we're constantly sharing with each other in that nobody like invents anything. People definitely come up with new ideas that can be discussed and talked about, but like it's one of those professions where coaching is a little bit different probably because you want to see other people succeed that are your peers, but you're also competing against them. I think with ADs, it's a little bit more removed. You can kind of pull back from some of the just like intense rivalry stuff and you maybe see each other more as professionals. Um, for me, it was a guy named Roy Turner in Wilmington, North Carolina is a retired AD that kind of heads up for North Carolina, this push, this, this encouragement, this passion for growing the, the, the career and, and the professionalism. I think Darren Coe, who's the Wake County Athletic Administrator, would be probably my second uh, most encourager for this journey in the NIAAA certification process because he put his money where his mouth is in the sense that Darren would say, as our county administrator, like not only do we want you to do this, but we're going to bring somebody in next Saturday for an AD event. And while you're here, we're going to give you a class. We're going to sponsor you for another class after that for next summer's academy in Greensboro, North Carolina. We're going to, so they were basically laying out, you know, not only like the map, but also like helping you down the road and like getting you on the path. And so I really am thankful for those guys. Um, I kind of did it sporadically through the years to get enough courses and then took the exam. Another example of that, we have a guy in North Carolina named Bob Hill. Uh, Bobby was great about helping people prep for the exam to encourage them on the exam to answer questions before the exam so people can kind of, like many of us haven't taken an exam in 25 years <laughs> after college. So it can be intimidating for people, right? But it really is just using your, your experience and your best practice. I do want to add one part to this, I think that scares a lot of middle school ADs off because that's where I had spent before I came here uh, a, a decade at a middle school as the athletic director trying to improve the middle school world in, in my school, county and state is that a lot of middle school ADs, I think, are scared off by it because it's a majority of high school folks that are involved in this network. But yet, I think there's such a challenge there, an opportunity to really, because there are actually more middle school athletic directors than there are high school athletic directors, just a number of schools. And if we could somehow capture, and I've shared this vision a little bit with the, the Federation, National Federation, of like just doubling down on our efforts to serve middle school ADs and encourage them and somehow push them in that direction, because I think if the middle school coaches who sometimes are just anybody you can find, right. Are these great teachers or wonderful people, no offense. Right. But we all know what that looks like in the school settings and we're, we love them and we're happy. And some of them are amazing coaches, but if we could train them to work with our kids better, our kids would even be more prepared by the time they got to their high school programs. And I just feel like we missed that somehow nationally. Are we, 
maybe not miss it, but maybe we're not as putting as much emphasis on that as we could. And for me, it was kind of like, there's a project involved in being a certified athletic administrator. And, you know, Roy and them were able to help me think about, even as a middle school AD, what are some of those events and what are some of those things that I've done that would help me qualify? Because I think it can be intimidating for people to maybe think I haven't, if I'm not at a 5A school hosting regionals or I'm not, you know, sponsoring some amazing tournament or raising a million dollars at our big booster event for the community, like I don't qualify. So I think what I would say to people out there is like, if you're doing the work, right, there are things that you're probably already doing and there are projects that you could even come up with right this year in your own community that would qualify. Because I think what the NIAAA is looking for is people that are leaders and people that are sort of showing service and growth. And that can look like a lot of different things. And so for me, I was cheered on by those people. And then I also in my own heart and spirit just felt like as a middle school person, having been coached in high school for 20 years, like that didn't intimidate me, but I think a lot of people maybe don't feel encouraged at the middle school level, like high school administrators feel encouraged. And so I'm speaking to them today and saying that you can do it. And it's just as important that middle school ADs become certified as high school ADs. Wow, what a great uh, commercial for NIAAA. And as uh, someone who's on the national faculty for both of the middle school courses, both of which are being offered uh, this coming October in webinar, uh, you're absolutely right. Middle school ADs, the NIAAA is your organization too. Sign up for a course online, go to your state association and uh, and take those courses. And you mentioned projects as someone who was on the certification committee for many, many years. You're absolutely right. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, podcast as an AD, you're doing something at your school right now. Maybe it's with kids, with coaches, with facilities, even with parents. You're doing something that would make a great CMAA project. So you've got a state certification coordinator in your state. So reach out to them first. If you can't get a hold of them for some reason, please shoot me an email. I'd be happy to help you out with anything about LTI courses or uh, the certification project. Uh, you know, Battle Watkins, an unofficial member of the NIAAA certification committee. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> We're going to take another quick break, but we are not done. We are speaking with Battle Watkins, a certified athletic administrator from North Carolina. Let's take that break, but we're coming back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank our friends at Snap Mobile for their support of the podcast. Go to snapraise.com. That's the website, snapraise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you as an athletic director do your job better. If you're looking for a fundraising platform, stop right here. SnapRaise is hands down the best one available. They even have a program where they will give you your funding up front before you actually do your fundraiser. Nobody else does that. But there's so much more. You've got Snap Connect, Snap Manage, Snap Store. You can find it all at SnapRaise.com. Check them out today. We also want to say thanks to our good friends at Home Campus. Go to homecampus.com. They are the exclusive high school and uh, state association information management platform for the podcast. They're also your one-stop platform for things like scheduling, student-athlete eligibility and clearance, coaches clearance, and a lot more. As an athletic director, I used Home Campus every single day, and it was just fantastic. And the Home Campus team was great to work with, too. To find out how you can get involved with Home Campus, all you have to do is go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. Check them out today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Battle, you and I were talking during the break, and you've got a couple of really cool programs that you do. Can you share a little bit about that with our listeners? Yeah, I think um, sportsmanship, as we've talked before, is a, a unique challenge around the country today among all youth sports. And I would like to say that one of the things that we focused on in my last um, school and district and what I'm bringing with me to the table here at New Life Camp at Storm Athletics is really an emphasis on excellence, competing for excellence, and that involves um, a priority on sportsmanship. One of the things that I like that we did um, at Carroll Middle School, where I was the last um, stint for 10 years in Wake County Public Schools here in Raleigh, 
was that we sort of downplayed championships in the sense of playoffs for middle school and or trophies and or and I, and I know I'm going to get the culture war like you know we should not give a winner or have everybody get a certificate but it was really an emphasis on teaching in middle school and also on sportsmanship and getting away from the competitiveness that already exists in our culture in youth sports and in high school kind of takes over immediately anyway when the kids become freshmen. And so we really emphasize sportsmanship to the point of where our district and our school would give out sportsmanship. And then some of the schools in the district even got to the point where after each game, they chose individuals from that game, win or loss, right? Didn't matter whether what the outcome was of the actual game itself that exemplified great sportsmanship. And we all know how important social media is to kids and then obviously uploading that, that these are our sportsmen of the week, our sportsmen of the day. And Wake County does a really good job. You know, there were times that we also voted as conference members in our middle school conferences on the team at the end of the season that had showed the best sportsmanship. So there was a sportsmanship award that was voted on by all the other teams at the end of each season. And so there was a banner for that, right, at one point, as opposed to a banner for first place in the conference, right? So just putting some feet to what you really say you believe in, we always do the back end, like, oh, let's avoid ejections or let's avoid bench clearing things by punishing people for whatever playoff right, games or or you know watching a video and paying a fine. All those things are, are part of the process of sure corrective behavior, but just what can you do to reward good behavior, to catch people doing the right thing, especially young people, and teach them that there's a lot more than, than winning and losing. I think we did a good job of that at my last school. And that's always been a golden emphasis for me that kids understand you can learn as much or more from losing as you can from winning. Sometimes there's a much better lesson in losing about why you really play. Why does it, it's easy to be in a good mood when you win, right? It's cliche to say, you know, everybody's happy when you're winning, but ultimately you really find out a lot about kids and why they care about participation in sports and what they get out of it if they're not successful or if their team is struggling or if they had a bad game. And so I think sportsmanship program that we had at Wake County Public Schools and at Carroll Middle School was something that we did really well and I'm really proud of. And I want to continue to do that at New Life Camp because I think it's a universal message, right, of being a good sport, respecting coaches, respecting athletes, respecting officials, respecting each other, respecting your teammates, like there's a, I think it was even Roy Turner. I mentioned him earlier in Wilmington who had a card. He gave me one time on the back of his card. It had an acronym for respect and he put it on the back of his card and it was a tool to hand out to at a game, to a family, to a parent, to an official, to anybody to say, Here, here's what we stand for. Here's what we believe in. And I've taken that. I've stolen that. I give Roy the credit for that. The, the copyright uh, on this card of putting what, I believe sportsmanship means for our program and then promoting that, whether it be signage, whether it be reading something before a game, all those things are great, but really what you're speaking into the athletes and what the coaches are speaking into them in situations, it's so important, right? Cause it's funny to me, we go to meetings and we talk about sportsmanship in a conference setting or a state setting or a district setting and you get into a game and somebody's up 50 to nothing in football and they're still throwing passes. And it's like, okay, who missed the conversation on, like, especially in middle school where we have rules about the score or about who's supposed to play, at what point do you learn how to apply some of those sportsmanship things within a game? And I think back to my middle school point, I think there's so much to teach at that really critical age, right, of like 12 to 14 or 11 to 14 before they get to high school about what sports is really about. Is it really about winning and losing? I used to always kid with our, our student athletes of like, if you remember your middle school record and it was an undefeated record and that's the most important thing in your life, what else did you do after middle school, right? Of value in your life. There's so much more as opposed to the lessons that you remember. I mean, do you remember your middle school track record? I mean, maybe you do, but do you, or do you remember the coaches and the people and the situations or the, the learned, the teachable moments that were maybe even hard as you asked me earlier in the podcast about something that was defining for me. I remember those things. I can't spout out my records of all the teams that I played on. So I really believe that sportsmanship where we've been has been a priority and I want to continue to make it a priority. And I want to continue to sell that and share that message with all folks um, that are involved in any kind of education based athletics.
Well, uh, you hit on so many great uh, points right there. And absolutely. You know, what was that record of our uh, seventh grade, uh, you know, flag football <laughs> team? I don't know, but I can remember Mr. Farmer, our seventh grade flag football coach. Absolutely. Uh, Battle Watkins, this has been really cool spending some time with you, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. Now, again, for a listener, Battle's a longtime athletic director in the state of North Carolina and coach. Uh, currently, he's the AD for New Life Camp and Storm Athletics uh, homeschool program uh, outside Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, we're going to take our final break. And when we come back, I'm going to challenge Battle to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. And I'm only going to let him put three things in the toolbox. So uh, please stay with us. We're going to take that final break and then we'll come back with the athletic director's toolbox segment. We want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the AD Toolbox segment. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and an affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire program. Athletic directors already hear back from the complainers, the 2% that want to gripe about everything. Athletic Surveys not only connects you with the 2%, but they also connect you with the 98% that supports your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking with a frustrated parent or your principal, or your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com. They're going to create a custom survey that allows you to take the pulse of your parents and your student-athletes. Go to athleticsurveys.com. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We've been visiting, as I've said, with Battle Watkins, a certified athletic administrator from North Carolina, Certainly knows his way around the world of athletics, but right now I'm going to challenge him to send out a brand new AD on their very first job. Battle, what three items are you going to put into your new athletic director toolbox? Well, Jake, I think we start with um, serving the coaches that we work with, um, loving them, investing in them well, because they end up in the trenches with our student athletes the most, right? As an athletic administrator, you are kind of a hub of a wheel, but the, the spokes reach out to where on the outside, the most influence is happening. And I think, you know, having been a coach for so long, when I had ADs that cared about me, that, that checked on me, that had my back in situations or asked me how they could make my job easier, I think I worked harder. I felt better about what I was doing. And I think as an AD that that's your first job is to find good coaches. And if you don't have the chance to hire those coaches, you inherit coaches or even coaches that were maybe not your favorite. How do you love and serve them well so that they can go out and do their job? Because that's going to be, to me, the best benefit to your program, because that's really where the magic happens, right? I mean, that's the relationship between a coach and the athlete. And so as an administrator, you're providing sort of the background for that to happen by either who you hire or how you encourage the people that are on your staff. So it's a love your staff, invest and serve them where they feel like they can relate to you. I think oftentimes in those situations, um, 80s or like administrators or system principals or principals, whereas the coaches sort of talk about them as a third party, you know, you don't want it to become they and us, it's we. And so I think that's number one. I think number two, learn to be flexible. Tool number two is be flexible. There are so many things you can plan as an AD, which is a big part of the job, calendars and contracts and schedules and meetings. There's so many things that happen that you have no control over. So how are you going to deal with that when there are changes constantly about weather or a team can't come to a game tomorrow or the photographer for your pictures doesn't show up or a parent is upset about something that you planned how do you deal with change, right? And I think that's true in any career. Flexibility is a really important part of being a professional in lots of fields. But I think definitely as an AD, being flexible and learning how to find the next best solution to a problem is super important. Like, because you don't necessarily know the answer, but maybe you 
can work with the, the parties that are involved or somebody else to help you figure out what that next answer is as the change actually happens, right, on the fly. Pat Riley talked about this in a book I read when I was a young coach when he was um, with the Heat. I, I want to say he called it lightning bolts, right? He had the the winner within maybe was a series he wrote at one time. You're a Florida guy. Do you remember I'm through the Pat Riley book or series, the winner within when he was so successful? And, you know, it was like there are lightning bolts that happen that you can't control. So, like, how are you going to relate and be prepared to handle those situations? So flexibility is number two. Number one, love your coaches. And I think number three is have a vision. What is the vision for your program? What do you believe your program or your school or your athletic teams can be? Because obviously it starts typically with the athletic administrator for what people believe the program. You walk into a place that has a lot of tradition, you still can have a vision for what you want that tradition to continue to be or how it can grow and change. If you're starting a new program like we talked about, then you have obviously a blank slate. You're working with lots of people, but you have the ability to kind of plant your influences. But no matter where you go, you can always have a vision for what you want that program to be. And you do include people with it. your vision. You can't do it by yourself. I think that's something that ADs oftentimes try to do. You have to be a good teammate and partner and feel like you don't have to have your hands on everything, which goes back to the flexibility. But I read something that Kansas basketball put out a long time ago when I was working camps. They sent me a letter one time that was one of those motivational letters that they just send out to people in their mailing list. And I, I put it up on my wall for a long time that said, you know, the best place for you to be successful is where you are. And I always appreciate that because that's really true. Like kind of like bloom where you're planted situation, right? And have a vision for where you're at. Stick with that vision. You know, listen to people. You want partners. You don't want to be running up the hill with the flag and nobody behind you, right? So that's the other problem. Sometimes we kind of have this vision and we expect people to be on board, but we don't include people in the right way to work with us. So I think the vision is important, but also the partnerships are important. So those will be my three. Um, you know, the love your coaches, be flexible, have a vision. And then the last thing I would say is like, you know, show kids you mean what you say. And in the last segment, we were talking about awards. And so we were able to partner with Chick-fil-A, a local operator who put together a Heart of a Champion Award for us, where we awarded a kid at the end of each year, male or female, coaches would vote on this at the end of the year, who showed the best character and heart throughout the season, no matter what the sport was, how much they played, didn't play, what their stats were, who represented our program the best that year. That's kind of how I described it to our coaches. Who has the heart of a champion that we're looking for? And Chick-fil-A was great enough to basically not only provide us with some plaques and some perpetual things to stay at the school, but they gave the kids Chick-fil-A for a year, 52 certificates, 52 sandwiches for a year that that kid carried home. Now they made friends immediately after the award ceremony. They became the most popular kid in the school, but just that that's community partnerships, which is another tool, but it's really about the vision that you have for your school. If you care about sportsmanship and you care about character if you can attach something to that that shows people you're going to reward that, then it means something. It's not just a bunch of words or a poster or a business card. And so I would say, you know, find ways to support your vision, which was part of number three with programs and awards that kind of show what you're about. Boy, uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that last one with uh, the, the Chick-fil-A. We had a, uh, a parent at my last school um, where I was the AD there was a, a, a Chick-fil-A regional manager and they gave us tons of uh sandwich and nugget, uh, you know, the little uh, credit cards. Um, mm -hmm. We'd give them out of basketball games. We do halftime hoop shoots. Uh, we were definitely on a, a Chick-fil-A uh, um, monetary standard at, at our school and, and the kids knew it, you know, Hey coach, you got any Chick-fil-A cards? Uh, but uh, great, great stuff. Great way to connect with the kids. Battle one more time. Um, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, find out more about your program, which again is pretty unique, uh, as mm -hmm. just connect with you for best practices. What's the best way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, that's great. So the email address is bwatkins at newlifecamp.com. Bwatkins at newlifecamp.com, or they can go to our website, newlifecamp.com, and click on Storm Athletics, which is under our programs tab for all the programs that we have at New Life Camp year-round, athletics being one part of that, kind of in our mission to kind of allow kids to have a place where they can sort of honor and glorify God through athletics and grow. And so on there, you'll see a tab for programs, and under that is Storm Athletics. That's the best way to get to me. Yeah, Battle Watkins, Certified Athletic Administrator, uh, New Life Camp. 
and Storm Athletics. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today and all the best uh, with the coming uh, fall and winter seasons. Thank you, Jake. It's been an honor. Well, um, we appreciate you taking some time to be with us. For listeners, uh, we do this just about every day, and we upload the Zoom recordings to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. Of course, we appreciate you listening. Come back next time for another great interview and just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time.